is Pastor Steve is so cute. Isn't he cute? He said, that's right. I heard you. Well, turn to the person next to you, smile and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. Tell him you must be Puerto Rican. I, you just look good. I want you to get your Bible out and turn it on for me. And uh, it's slow, but you're worth waiting for. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Galatians 6 and 9. I want to speak to you for a short time on receiving your second wind. Receiving your second wind. Or the difference between being tired and being weary and how it's a spiritual attack. And then bring part two this evening at 6.30. And uh, we'll just take a lot more time in the altars and praying and having a good time together. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul says to the people in Galatians, Don't grow weary in doing what's right, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And I want you to read that with me off the screen. Let's all read it together and fill the atmosphere with God's word. Can we do that? Ready? Read. Let's read together. Read. Don't grow in doing what's right. Now let's look at Isaiah, the 40th chapter and the 31st verse. Reading from the King James Version, Isaiah chapter 40 and 31. This has been an anchor verse for my ministry now we've uh, been in ministry 29 years, and this has been one of those anchor verses. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be. They shall walk and not faint. I told the other services that we all grow tired sometimes, don't we? It's the end of the year 2017, the beginning of a new year tired of trying to make our businesses grow, or tired of looking for that elusive job that always seems to be just outside of our grasp, tired of dealing with a sickness, tired of dealing with a rebellious child or a difficult child, strong-willed child. If you're single, maybe you're tired of waiting for Mr. Right or waiting for Mrs. Right, just tired. I heard you say this. (laughs) I married Mrs. Wright 28 years ago. I did. My my Mrs. Wright. Problem was, I didn't know that her last name was always. Just a joke. But Carlene and I have been married 28 years. And I can only imagine what it is. I heard somebody out there say, I'm tired. Waiting for that one that God's promised. On the other side of things, we can even be doing what we love, whether it's living in the house of our dreams, or maybe we have the dream job, or we're raising wonderful kids. But if we're not careful, we can lose our passion and allow weariness to set in. Notice I said we allow weariness to set in, and that'll take on tremendous significance in just a moment. I was watching a documentary at the Vietnam War. Uh, it was actually War Stories hosted by Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. And I told the other services that Ollie North is kind of a hero for me. I had an opportunity to meet him once years ago, and I just respect him. So I was watching this thing uh, called War Stories, and it's a documentary about the Vietnam War. They went on to tell us, in 1961, President Kennedy sent 100 Special Forces troops to South Vietnam. And he told the American people that we'd only be there two to three years as advisors. However, in 1963, President Kennedy increased U.S. military personnel to 21,000. And at the height of the Vietnam War, 2.5 million soldiers were fighting in South Vietnam. 2.5 American soldiers. Listen, that's roughly the size of the state of Rhode Island. 2.5 million. What's amazing is by 1970, the United States had been fighting overseas in South Vietnam for nine long years. Four-star General Westmoreland was 
brought back to Congress to testify before Congress. And during his testimony, a congressman asked him about the state of our troops. He said, how are they doing? And General Westmoreland, he said this. It was documented by Newsweek magazine. He said, our troops are weary. We never expected the war to go this long. Now they are dealing with fatigue. Our soldiers are physically tired, mentally tired, and emotionally they are spent. That's General Westmoreland. And yet it wasn't until 1974 that the last United States personnel were evacuated from South Vietnam 13 years total. 13 years. The military was facing the same question we also face as Christians, as individuals. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when the battle seems to last longer than you expected? What do you do when you have been praying and asking God and you're still waiting for the answer? When you're doing what is right, like Paul said in Galatians, when you're doing what is right, you're praying, you're fasting, you're reading your Bible, you are tithing, you're doing all the things you're supposed to do, and yet the answer is not coming. What do you do? The word weary simply means to lose the sense of pleasure, to not feel the enjoyment that you once felt. And that could be in your marriage, in your Christian walk. It could be anything. The word weary simply means to lose the sense of pleasure, to not feel the enjoyment that you once felt. And when our soldiers were first shipped off overseas, they were so excited. They couldn't wait to make a difference. In fact, they did interviews with them prior to going into battle, and Ollie North was actually showing on these war stories a documentary, these young men in the 1960s saying, we can't wait to get in there and help these people against the communist nation. And, oh, we can't go wait to get in there. We're the finest military soldiers and most well-trained. The problem is when the battle goes on and 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 on. They interviewed some of these young men coming out of battle, and the young man said this, it began to feel like no matter what we did, we couldn't make a difference. No matter how hard we fought, no matter what we did, it seemed like the moment we dealt with this, here came that. And the moment we dealt with that, here came this. And suddenly it just felt like it was a constant, constant fatigue. The same could happen to any one of us who've been praying and fighting for something over a long period of time. The problem is, when you allow yourself to become weary, you'll be tempted to quit. To quit growing in the Lord, to quit praying for that wayward child, to quit believing that you'll become healthy and whole. Or quit pursuing your God-given goals and dreams, the fulfillment of a godly vision. You just get to the point where you just want to give up. I've often thought what it would be like to be the proverbial fly on the wall and listen to a conversation in heaven between God and the champions of God. What would it be like to hear a conversation between God and Mary? It might happen something like this. Mary would say, God, what's up, Mary? How are you? Well, God, yeah, you told me that I was highly favored. Yes, Mary, you were highly favored. Thank you, Lord. You, you also told me through Gabriel that I would give birth to the Messiah. Yes, Mary, you gave birth to the Messiah. Yes, Lord. But you know what, Lord? You left some things out. Lord, you didn't tell me that when I gave birth to my son that I would do it in a manger with smelly cows and goats and donkeys and my parents wouldn't be there for the birth of their grandchild. No, Lord, you left that out. And, Lord, you didn't tell me that we would be on the run for two to two and a half years in Egypt. What a place to lay our head because the king was chasing us, trying to kill us. And, God, you didn't tell me 
that after raising my son, we would have to watch him drag a cross through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. And we'd watch him be spat upon and his beard pulled and his face punched. No, Lord, you left that out. Lord, you also left out, uh, if I might remind you, you never told me this part, that I would look up on my son on the cross and hear him cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And have him actually say, woman, look at your son. And Lord, you didn't tell us that even though I was highly favored, that we'd be so poor that when I took my baby off the cross, I had to borrow a tomb from our neighbor, Joseph of Arimathea. No, Lord, you left that part out. And God would say, Mary, that's called a trial of your faith. You see, it's easy to have faith in the beginning when God first gives you the promise, and it's easy to have faith at the end when you see the fulfillment of the promise, but it's hard to have faith in the middle. That's when everybody seems to give up. And it's in the middle that the devil will try to push you to give in to weariness. I heard about a woman who approached her pastor, or a pastor, I should say, after the church service. She said she was in town for a cancer checkup at the Mayo Cancer Center, and she hadn't received the news she hoped for. She'd gone through six months of intensive chemotherapy, and she was hoping that doctors would tell her that she was finished. And the doctor said that the chemo had done some good. But she needed to go through six more months of intensive chemotherapy. And as the story goes, she told the doctor, I'm so tired, I don't believe I can make it. And when I heard that, the instant thought came to my mind, is she tired or is she weary? And you know there's a difference. When I saw the difference, it changed the way I pray. When I saw the difference, it changed the way I minister it. It changed the way my relationships you see, tired is the result of hard work. Tired, you can go to sleep, and you can sleep six, eight hours, and you feel rejuvenated, and you're ready to go, and everything's wonderful. Weary is something completely different. When you are weary, no matter how much you sleep, it's not enough. Weary, no matter how many vacations you go on, it's not enough. When you are weary, again, like a soldier, the moment you deal with this, here comes that. And the moment you deal with that, here comes this again. And you feel like you're on that proverbial treadmill of life, and you're looking around saying, what in the world is going on? I know pastors understand this. When I speak to pastors in conferences, there are so many pastors that don't recognize the spiritual attack and the weariness that comes. You see, on the way to our victories, we'll always face the weariness test. We'll be tempted to be discouraged and to give up. And the test never comes when you're fresh. It never comes when you first start out. It always comes when you're tired because the devil knows that's when you are the most vulnerable. You see, the devil knows if you are a child of God, walking in the Spirit, and living under God's blood, he knows if you will have a biblical worldview. You say, well, wait, Pastor, what's a biblical worldview? A biblical worldview is you believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. You believe everything in it is the truth from God, and you know this is how I will live my life. That's why Pastor Steve is telling us we've got to read the Word. You've got to focus everything, and you funnel everything through God's Word. How you live your life, who you marry, how you raise your kids, how you spend your money, it all goes through God's Word. It's all in there. And the devil knows if you have a biblical worldview, he cannot take you to hell. So he tries to heap as much hell on your life in this life as he possibly can in hopes that you throw your hands in the air and you give up, that he's pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, and you don't push back, hoping that you'll just throw your hands in the air and say, well, I guess that's just the way it is. 
You see, that's why the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary. That word grow means it's a gradual change that you have a choice. Okay, pastor, why is the devil pushing me so hard? He's trying to take the things of God and pervert them. Follow me now. If you're with me, say with me. The Holy Spirit will use isolation to prepare you for the next victory. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus in isolation, or he led him into the wilderness to be tested or tempted of the enemy, to prepare him for what was coming at the cross. The greatest battle of his human life. Remember, he's all man, yet he's all God. That's what makes him so loving. That's what makes him so tender. He understands our weaknesses. He understands who we are. And while Jesus was there in the wilderness being tempted or tested of the devil, he always answered the devil with, it is written. It is written. There was a fresh word. There was a fresh flow. There was something there, that fresh manna from heaven, always flowing. So listen to me. If you feel isolated at the end of 2017 and now the beginning of 2018, and yet there's a fresh anointing, there's a fresh touch of God, you know that you're answering the devil with a fresh biblical word. That's how you know God's preparing you for greater victories down the road. You're about to burst something new. You're about to come into your own. A farmer told me, or a, a, actually it was a cattleman told me, that when he pulls out into the field and he sees his cows, if they're all around the water, that's wonderful. I thought that was interesting because water represents the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. As long as you're around the Holy Spirit, you're going to make it. But he said, if I look out in the distance and I see a cow by himself, they're out there for one of two reasons, either to give birth or to die. And the devil tries to do the same thing. And if you're right now being isolated, but yet there's a fresh hope, there's a fresh joy, you're quoting scripture, you're moving with God, you're still having your prayer time, you're reading, everything's going, then you know God's preparing you to give birth to a fresh anointing. How many say amen to that? However... If you're in that isolation and you're feeling, we're not going to make it. My marriage isn't going to work. I'll never get healing. I'll never get that job. We'll never pay our bills. We'll never advance. And all these things are becoming so negative in your life. That is a clear sign that the devil is trying to take you out. He tries to take you out. And he creates a train of thought that so fits your way of thinking that you suppose it comes to your own line of reasoning. And you allow weariness in the moment that you bite on the negativity from hell and you allow your mind to dwell on those things, you now open the door for the devil to come in and begin to steal the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord. And that's exactly how weariness begins. It's a spiritual attack. In other words, when you begin to say, I'm not going to allow myself to be pushed in that area. Two words that are key to this whole passage, faint not, faint not. Everyone say, faint not. In other words, if you don't give up, if you shake off the weariness, if you put on a new attitude knowing that God is in control, or I like to say, if you dig your heels into the promises of God and not allow what you see to affect what you know. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I want you to say that with me. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Say it again. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I wish I coined that phrase, but it actually comes from a little Puerto Rican mother. Not my mother, but a little Puerto Rican mother. I read her story, or heard about her story. In the 1960s, she left Puerto Rico to move here to New York in search of a better life. True story. They were very poor, living in the rough neighborhood of Hell's Kitchen in New York. And there were gangs and drugs and all types of violence in the neighborhood. Her son, Victor, was 12 years old when the gangs recruited him. By the time he was 14, he was already hooked on heroin. He had been arrested for mugging and robbing and stealing. And his mother was so heartbroken, she couldn't control her son. She was a very small little petite mom, and she couldn't speak good English, but she knew how to pray. She knew how to pray God-sized prayers. 
Listen to me. A God-sized prayer is a prayer that you cannot fulfill. It's so much greater than you are. Only God could step in. And every day and twice on Sunday, she would go to a little storefront church, and her and her sister would pray for her son. But it wasn't enough just to pray that he would get off drugs or get out of the gangs. Oh, no, no. She prayed God-sized prayers. And her prayer was, God, not only do I want him delivered of drugs and alcohol and the gangs, but I want him to become a pastor. I want him to shake the gates of hell. Lord, I want him to be more of a threat to the enemy than the enemy is a threat to him. That's a God-sized prayer. 3 a.m. in the morning, her son would come in the house to find his mom praying on her knees. And she would jump up and she would say, Victor, God is not just getting you out of the gang. God is healing you. God is going to make you a pastor. He's putting the healing touch of God in your life. He's going to bring you out of this, Victor. And she would speak life into him. And she said the more she prayed, the worse it got. How many of you ever prayed and it got worse? Come on now. Yeah. You should see the elbows flying. She said, the more I prayed, the worse it got. She got a call from the school, and the school asked her to come to a parent-teacher conference. So she went in, and there the principal was with all the teachers, and they told her, we're here to inform you that your son is no longer allowed in this school. We are so afraid of him. He's so out of control. We all think he's on his way (laughs) to the electric chair. He's going to penitentiary. And in the natural, in the flesh, when I heard that, it would, be, would have been natural for her to break down crying. Or she might have got angry. No. This mother understood she wasn't going to allow the devil to push her into weariness and giving up. So she stood up and shook every one of their hands and said, thank you for trying to help my baby, my son. She said as she walked out of that principal's office, she walked down the hallway of the school and she started saying to herself, I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I will not allow what I see. I know my God is able. I know my God says train up a child in the way he shall go and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. I know my God says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know my God says once I was young, now I am old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. She began to quote scripture. I will not allow what I see to forget what I know. I know the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. In whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked enemies and my foes come upon me to eat my flesh, they will stumble and fall. The host shall rise against me. My heart shall not fear. The war shall rise against me. In this will I be confident that one thing that I desire the Lord, that I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in a time of trouble, he shall hide me, not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, not the Independent Party, but Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. Is there anybody else that still believes in the written word of God? Come on, let's take a praise break and just praise him. Yes. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Would you say that again? I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. What she didn't know was while she was praying, God was working behind the scenes. And he was speaking to a young man by the name of David Wilkerson. Have you heard of him? To leave where he was ministering and come to New York and preach on the streets of New York. You see, you never know who God's going to call. One day, Victor came across David Wilkerson preaching on the streets of New York. I love that phrase, one day. Everybody say, one day. How many remember the one day you came across Jesus? If you don't remember, today might be your one day. And he heard David Wilkerson say, if you were the only man on planet earth, Jesus still would have come, died on the cross, and rose again on that third day just for you. Victor fell to his knees, 
God touched his life. God set him free of heroin, brought him out of the gang, removed him from a life of violence. But let me tell you how God honored his mother. Because today, Victor Torres is not only free from drugs, he's the pastor of a great church called New Life Outreach in Richmond, Virginia. I often wonder when I tell that story where Victor Torres would have been if his mother had given in and given up and allowed the devil to push her to weariness, to isolation. I had a lady stop me in the lobby. I was greeting people at the door as they left just last service, and she looked at me with tears in her eyes. She said, Pastor, all my friends told me to kick my son out of my house. She said, they all told me to just kick him out. He's doing just, just kick him out, just kick him out. She said, I heard that message this morning, and the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, don't let the devil push you. Stand on the promises of God. What if Victor Torres' mother would have given in? But she said when it looked impossible, when all the odds were against her, and everyone told her, you're wasting your time. Your son is too far gone. He'll never amount to anything. She dug her heels into the promises of God in the midst of the storm. She grabbed a hold of the anchor of God's eternal word. She began to agree with God's word. She began to believe God's word. She began to confess God's word. See, that's the ABCs of faith. That's why Pastor Steve is saying, are you reading the word? When Jesus was in the wilderness, he didn't say, Satan, I bind you. I find that very interesting. When the devil came to tempt the, the Lord, he didn't say, Satan, I bind you. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. You've got to fight the devil with the word. If you don't have the word in your heart, when you walk on that job, sir, and that young lady comes to approach you with that tight sweater on, and that's what she's going to say. And if you don't have the word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against God. Every temptation that has been given has been given to man, but God has given a way of escape. Do you have the word? Listen, instead of complaining about how long the battle is taking, we should say instead, I know this too shall pass. I know this situation is not permanent. It's only temporary. I'm moving forward in Jesus' name. I may just be disappointed now, but I'm not going to live in disappointment. If you believe that, somebody shout amen. I've come to realize that weariness is a choice. You make the choice to either believe the lies of the devil or the truth of God's word. You have a choice. Weariness kept the people of Israel out of the promised land. They were so close to their victory. How do you know you're weary and under spiritual attack? Listen to me now. You know you're weary when you forget all the past blessings and benefits that God has given you, and all you see is the problems and the obstacles. I'll hear it again. You know you're weary when you forget all that God has done in the past, and all you see is the problems and the obstacles. They sent 12 spies in, 10 came back, and they said, it'll never happen. It's too great. The, the, the giants are too big. Wait, Mijo, wait, 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 wait. Did you for, do you forget what God did for you in the wilderness? Wasn't the first miracle God gave you the walls of Jericho that were so big that they literally were pushed into the ground by the power of God? Oh, but when you're weary, you forget that God gave you the manna in the wilderness. You forget God gave 16 tons of manna, 11 million gallons of water. That God didn't do it for one day, mijo. God did it for 14,600 days. That's how long 40 years turns out to be. And you come in with a thimble full of faith asking God, can you do it, Lord? The obstacles are great. Mijo, have you forgot all the miracles God did in the past? Yes, I did, Pastor. You're weary. You're weary. There's a spiritual attack that's got you forgetting who God is. 
Listen, it's not the size of the problem in our life that's important. Rather, it's our perception of those problems. It's how big or small you make them in your mind. And it's a well-known fact that what you focus on, you will magnify. And in 2018, you hear me, in this year, if you focus on your problems or what you don't have and how it'll never work out, and all you're doing is making them bigger than they really are, you're elevating the enemy in your life. That's why King David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. David understood, if you want to make something bigger, you're talking about the giant slayer. He knows what it is to go up against a giant. He knows, he looked at, he looked at Goliath and he began to thank God in advance. Did you know that? One of the most powerful things I've learned in ministry is to thank God in advance. To thank him before the miracle. To thank him before the healing. To thank him. David ran to the battle line and he told Goliath what was about to happen. When's the last time you thank God for your healing? but I don't feel healed. When's the last time you thanked him for the answer? Why, Pastor? Because God wants to know, is there anyone in Bethlehem that can thank me before the miracle? My Lord. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Instead of making your Problems bigger. Why don't you magnify your all-powerful, omnipotent God, your omniscient God, your omnipresent God? Because Revelation 12 says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses you day and night. And I'm here to tell you, friend, if you don't learn how to magnify God right now, the devil's going to eat you for lunch. And here's what happens in the progression. Oh, see, third service, I could take a little more time and teach. Here's what happens in the progression. Weariness leads to discouragement. Say that with me. Weariness leads to discouragement. Say it again. Weariness leads to discouragement. Here's what happens. When you are discouraged, you see the problem instead of the possibility. Discouragement and the devil, remember, it's do not grow, do not, do not let him push you. So discouragement can lead to disillusion. Disillusion simply means well, it's not going to work out the way God promised. I, I thought he was Mr. Right, but now he's not even right at all. It's just, I, I, I thought it was a blessed marriage, but I want to tell him there's a line at the door where you walked in. Completely disillusioned. And if you don't begin to deal with weariness correctly, discouragement will go to disillusion. Disillusion can lead to a lack of discernment. Discernment where it means you can't see clearly, you can't make clear choices. If you were to come to me and say, Pastor, would you please pray for my husband or my wife? Would you please pray because it seems like they're not making good choices? I would say, so what you're saying is they don't have good judgment. And the Bible says, Miha, that judgment begins where? In the house of the Lord. And we take that and think, well, that means God's going to judge us. Yes, that's one part of it. But it also means sound thinking or good choices because you're operating under the anointing of God. You're running it through a biblical worldview. You're reading God's word. You're being counseled by the Holy Spirit in the altars of grace. So now you've got good judgment. But disillusion can lead to a lack of discernment or a lack of judgment. And we all know what it is to make stupid choices. Think about those days you're out there in the club. You're just getting it on, you know. You just, yeah, babe. Whoa, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. They say, last call, and you think you've been dancing with a dime. Right? And you're looking for that, oh, boy, she's hot. Oh, he's so hot. You think it's Halle Berry. Oh, Lord Jesus, you brought me Halle. And you make a stupid choice and go home with somebody and wake up not with Halle Berry. They look like Fidel Castro. Oh, you all understand that, don't you? And suddenly you find yourself climbing back in the car, discouragement, disillusion. I had a lack of discernment. Lord, what did I do? Lord, what did I do? And that lack of discernment ultimately leads to depression, loss of hope, 
Devil's trying to take you out. Do you know that the Bible never talks about depression? The word is never used, but it does say put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That spirit. I love the story of David because when David was a little shepherd boy, he would get the call to go sing in the king's palace. And the great king of Israel, the only time he got any solace was when a little shepherd boy came in and began to play his songs of praise. When David would get in there and just, I will bless thee, O Lord, just playing his heart. I will bless thee, O Lord, with a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless thee, O Lord. And Saul would, with my hands lifted up. You know why that took place as our musicians are coming quickly? The Bible says that God inhabits the Come on, God inhabits the, the praises of his people. The Greek word for praise means sits down upon. To the very moment you begin to praise him, the very same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God, that same power begins to sit down upon you. If you are saved and born again, that power comes from within you, up, on, up, on. We're going to talk about that tonight. Up, on. Oh, shut That's, and Saul, the presence of God would come upon him, and we read that demons fled from Saul, and in our Western mentality, we think, oh, man, that's the guy's problem. He was demon-possessed. No, no, no. The actual reading of it in the original text is the cares of life. Doesn't that kind of change everything? The cares of life, when David would praise the Lord, would lift up a soul. Remember, he's a king. He's got to run a military. He's got to feed people. He's got to run the marketplace, commerce. Any business folks here? Got to get up in the morning tomorrow and go to work. And the cares of life, as you're getting on that freeway, When I'm facing weariness, mijo, it's usually when I'm in purgatory. And now you're staring at me saying, uh-oh, he just went off. No, no, no. Purgatory is a real place. It's called the JFK airport. <laughs> or for me, Hartsville International in Atlanta, Georgia. Or Dallas-Fort Worth. And usually... When that weariness attack comes, I need a refreshing and a restoration. I told the other services, if I had a dollar for every time I needed a refreshing and a restoration, I'd be a multimillionaire. And when I learned the difference that weariness is a spiritual attack, tired is just natural. But weariness, the devil's trying to take me out. It's usually when I'm in the middle of a conference or coming home from a conference or like this preaching all day. Yesterday it hit me in Charlotte. I was trying to get here. They canceled the flight into JFK. It was a delay. They were telling me there's no possible way you're getting in. And the devil starts. Remember, I said he can create a train of thought. The devil started. You might as well call Pastor Steve. You're not going to make it. They're not going to get you on a plane. It's all over. Listen, I've learned in those times that some, most of the time when I'm dealing with weariness, I can't even pray. It's like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. Anybody else been there? So I'll call my mom. It was so cute. First service, uh, I keep my phone on here so I keep myself on track with time. And I looked down and my mom texted me. And all I read in the text was, Randy, I'm watching you. And she was talking about watching on the live stream, you know. I'm watching you. And that so ministered to my heart. And last night, I was tossing and turning because I knew the spiritual warfare that would take place in this place today and tonight and I couldn't sleep, and my dad called me at about 12 o'clock. Did you make it? Yeah, Papa, I made it. Let's pray. 
And I've learned when I'm dealing with weariness, usually in the airport, to walk over to the window and just lift my hands. You say, well, man, that's kind of weird to do that in the airport. To you, I say, you haven't seen the weird people in the airport. And here's what I'll usually say. Holy Spirit, I need a refreshing and a restoration. Would you pour over the balconies of heaven a refreshing where there's been dryness and barrenness that the Holy Spirit will bring a much-needed refreshing? If you're taking notes, you read about that in Joel chapter 2, verse 23 through 29. And then I'll usually say, Lord, I need a restoration. Where there's been loss, the Spirit of God comes in the form of rain into your life and mine, and he restores. And you read about that in Isaiah 28, 11 through 12. Listen to me, listen to me. Restoration, where there's been loss. That doesn't just mean the loss of a loved one who has gone on to heaven. It means the loss of a hope. The loss of a dream. It means the loss of reviving, refreshing, and renewing. And you just lift your hands and say, Lord, I can't do it without you. And the moment you say that, because he only comes where he's invited. And that is why Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, but they that, come on now, but they that wait upon the Lord. There's a way to get your second wind. There's a way to have your strength renewed. You wait on the Lord. One translation says, hope in the Lord. That doesn't mean to sit around passive and complacent. It means to wait with an expectancy, not complaining and discouraged. I'm a firm believer. The reason we don't see miracles on a daily basis in the churches in America is because the moment the devil, excuse me, the moment the doctor tells you, well, you've got this sickness or you've got that sickness, and he says, I'll be right back. I'm going to go write you a script. The devil starts whispering in your ear. And then you get out your smartphone and you start to Google WebMD. And you start to read about all the reasons why God can't heal you. You start to get the mindset of the world instead of a biblical worldview. And you start reading about how all the trials of that medication didn't work for everyone. And the devil pushes you to isolation and weariness. Instead of saying, Lord, you're the great physician. Listen, I believe that you have to be informed, but there comes a point in your life where you say, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his blessedness. It's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. And I've learned that when I'm fighting weariness, if I lift my voice in worship by praying in the Spirit, using the heavenly prayer language, the Bible says he who prays in an unknown language, it is he who prays to God. Once I begin to worship, that presence of God begins to fill the place. And I've learned in 29 years of ministry, I'll tell people all over the country, in churches like this, in churches that are small, I'll say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand and worship the Lord. I want you to give God praise. The moment I say that, people start to clap. And that's nice. That's part of it. But I want you to learn that when you give God praise, you actually verbally talk about his greatness. When you give God praise, you magnify him. You exalt him above every situation. You go through the day expecting him to turn things around. Lord, I believe this is the appointed hour. I don't see the miracle yet, but I'm going to thank you in advance. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and thank God in advance. I'm going to ask you to worship him. I'm going to ask you to give him praise. I don't want you to clap your hands. I want you to lift your hands and tell the Lord how much you love him, how much you need him. I want you to audibly speak it out. Why? pastor because when you speak it you hear it it gets down in your spirit and you don't know the person next to you might be acting like everything's cool but they're going through a deep valley and I want you in just a moment to say God you promise if I wait on you you'll renew my strength that I would run and not grow weary 
the scripture in Isaiah is referenced to catching your second wind. At the count of three, if you need strength, energy, passion, vision, and vitality back in your life for 2018, I want you to stand. At the count of three, if you're longing to mount up with wings as eagles, if now you've heard something in spiritual warfare that you say, no, devil, you didn't give me my children, God did. You didn't give me my home, God did. You didn't give me my husband or my wife, God did. And if you didn't give it, you can't take it away. If that's you, then I want you to stand. You'll come out stronger, higher, and better. And I want you to lift your hands all over this place. And I want you to begin right now to give God praise in advance. Don't clap your hands. Just tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you need him. Tell him how much you're going to surrender to him right now. Thanking God in advance. Somebody has to draw a line in Bethlehem, Valley Stream, New York, and say, devil, we're not going to let you push us around anymore. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In the name, right now, praise him. 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 That's it. Get your eyes off the obstacle and get it on God. Shake off the weariness. I'm not going to allow what I see to affect what I know. Father, we're not looking at the impossibilities of 2018, but the possibility of our great God. I believe, Lord, you're still the healing master physician. With every head bowed, every eye closed, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to step out in faith and run to these altars. And when you get here... I want you to give God praise. I want you to give God glory. I want you to say, Lord, I'm not going to let the devil isolate me any longer. Lord, if you choose to do it, then I'll give birth to a fresh anointing. But Lord, I I don't want to give the devil a, a, a foothold to take me out. There's fresh hope today. Renew us, Lord. Revive us, Lord. Refresh us, Lord. Send the wind of your spirit. If you have a prayer language, it's perfectly appropriate to use it right now. all over the room. Maybe you're here at the beginning of a new year. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible said if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, you shall be saved. It's by faith believing. And if that's you and you want to give your life to Christ, then when I count to three, you step out. In fact, when I count to three, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, if you want to go with me, Go forward. I'll go with you. You don't have to go alone. I'll go with you, bro. Maybe you're saved, but you need a refreshing. Maybe you now realize the weariness. It's a spiritual attack. At the count of three, turn to that person next to you and say, if you want to go forward, I'll go agree with you. I'll believe with you. At Bethlehem, we believe in the power of God. At the count of three turn him and say, I'll go with you. One, don't miss it. Two, three, right now, just turn to him. In the balcony, we'll wait on you to come down. I'll go with you. And as she begins to sing, you start to come. Sing it again, sis. Just sing it. That's it, just come.
your hands and lift your voice and praise Him. they play softly would you just lift your voice and give God praise just tell him how much you need him exalt him over every situation maybe you're dealing with something on your job that you've got to deal with and you need wisdom you said Lord I need wisdom on how to deal with these people maybe you and your spouse are not seeing eye to eye or maybe it's a problem with your in-laws whatever it is Lord I need wisdom Lord I want to exalt you father I'm not going to let the devil push me to weariness. I don't want to open the door to the negativity, Lord. My hope and my power and my praise is in the Word of God. Maybe you're challenged right now to begin reading God's Word with the church at the beginning of the year. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to dedicate myself to reading two chapters a day. I need the Word in me. I need to know how to fight in Jesus' name. Tonight, 6.30, part two. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Sis, I want you to keep leading us. The longer you wait on him, the more he comes. God bless you. God keep you. God make his face to shine upon you. May he bless you going in and may he bless you coming out. Can you lift your hands and lift your voice and just praise him? Just praise him. Come on, sing it again.